If you've listened to the Yoga Girl podcast before, you've probably heard me talk about TransferWise, a cheaper, faster way for people and businesses to send money internationally. And today I'm going to highlight it again. I love TransferWise because of their empathetic approach. The team at TransferWise always treats you with respect and understanding. I think the best example of this is TransferWise's price comparison tool. If you click compare price on the homepage, you'll instantly be able to see if TransferWise is the cheapest option for your transfer. If it isn't, they'll make sure to tell you what actually is. You can always get connected with a real live person if you need help or if you have questions, and they actually listen to customer feedback. When customers said they wanted to convert currencies all on their own, TransferWise spent a long time developing their multi-currency account. It lets you hold over 40 different currencies and you can convert between them whenever you like. Over 5 million people are already saving with TransferWise. You could be next. Test them out for free at transferwise.com yoga or download the app. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. This is the vacation edition of this podcast, which is kind of strange. I uh, don't know if I have recorded this show ever on actual vacation. And I think the reason that is, is probably because I am very bad at taking actual (laughs) vacations. Of course, we've taken nice trips and done nice things, you know, with our family and, you know, in our lives, but I'm always kind of working, even, you know, when we're traveling for, for pleasure or for joy. And right now I am in, I'm a little bit outside Monterey, California, where we have rented this beautiful kind of ranch looking house in the middle of nowhere. And it's Dennis, me and the baby. And then we have some friends here as well with their little one. And we have had three days of doing absolutely nothing. Actually, we've done a lot, (laughs) but nothing in terms of I haven't been working. I haven't taken any meetings, haven't opened my computer. I've been yeah, keeping my phone turned off. It's been really, really, really nice. So sitting down here now to record this show feels like, huh, yeah, it's like a vacation podcast. I feel like I should be sipping a pina colada or something as I'm recording. It's been a, wow, it's been a very, very, very intense couple of weeks. It's been a very hard couple of weeks, really, really, really hard couple of weeks. I feel like it's been a hard couple of months, but especially the past couple of weeks have been super challenging. I actually don't really know where to Where to start? Last week's episode of this show was our live podcast from New York City, which we recorded on my birthday. It was so beautiful. Oh, I just think back on that night and it was just so much love in that room. We uh, sold out the Gramercy Theater in New York. All these amazing people came to to watch the podcast be recorded live, and we did a lot of interactive things with the audience and sharings and journaling, and you know people were crying and opening their hearts to such oh, in such beautiful ways. It was really, really, really a beautiful evening. And at the same time, it was a very challenging thing for me to do. And uh, I I don't know how it's kind of hard for me to share this, but if you follow me on social media which I actually know not all of you guys do who listen to this podcast. I'm getting people who find the podcast and then they come to Instagram after that. I'm kind of used to it being, you know, the other way around always, but really glad that this podcast is is growing and that people are finding me off of social media. But if you follow me on Instagram, I shared a really vulnerable, hard, hard and heartfelt post about my mental health and the fact that I haven't been feeling super well lately. And it was a really hard thing for me to share, a really, really hard thing for me to share. And when I think about that, 
it was it was one of those you know things that I wrote down and took a deep breath before I posted it, which I almost never do, even when I share something absolutely you know, really vulnerable, really painful. I can talk about loss and separation and anxiety and insecurity. I can talk about all of it. But this thing for me to share was really, really hard. And the reason it's hard, I've been meditating on this a lot, is that I am still in the middle of it. (laughs) So I am really good at sharing vulnerably about things that have happened in my past things that I have somehow made it through to the other side of, things that I, you know, I've I've found some sort of realization, some sort of clarity. I've been able to make my way to the blessing that was hiding beneath the lesson of whatever it was that was happening in my life. And with this that I just shared, I I have no answers. (laughs) I haven't found the blessing in it. I haven't found the lesson. I'm not sitting here with some big epiphany truth of the matter is I am just not feeling good. That's just what it is. I'm not feeling good. And it's been one of those things that, yeah, if you listen to this show, you know, I, 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 the past year, I feel like I've been, you know, we've had this theme on this podcast of me sharing the fact that I haven't been feeling super well. And it started physical, right? It started with my body. I was really sick. It was exactly a year now to the date when I started getting sick, the yoga teacher training we did at the end of last year. And then I struggled with my physical health. Yeah, since then. I think it was maybe a month back, two months back that I started feeling a little bit more normal, that I wasn't in pain every day, that I didn't feel like I had the flu or you know, throat pain or sinus stuff or headaches and, or this extreme tiredness, like almost just exhaustion. Like I've just not been feeling good at all. And this whole year for me has been almost this uphill struggle, right? Just to do everything in my power to get my physical health back on track. So you guys know I've done, I've done all the crazy things. I had a couple of months where I only ate raw food. I did these very extensive you know, tests for my health where I found out that I was intolerant to 52 different things and I cut those things out of my diet. I stopped drinking caffeine, stopped drinking alcohol, completely stopped eating all sorts of sugar, stopped eating gluten, all wheat. I mean, I had this very intense, horrible, horrible diet. I would not recommend this for anyone where I couldn't really enjoy any food anymore, right? I wasn't I stopped baking, I stopped cooking, I stopped, you know, eating dessert, I stopped enjoying that social part of food, which for me in my life, food is at the center of everything. It's how we gather for everything. And with that started feeling more and more low. I could really feel the correlation between having had that kind of outlet of cooking and baking and, and the social aspects of eating and also enjoying food a lot having that cut off from my life, how it made me really, really low. And then of course, having you know several consecutive months waking up every morning feeling like I was hit by a truck. Every morning I would wake up feeling like absolute shit. And after a while, you know, I could really f- feel how this physical, yeah, not being 100% well physically really started affecting my mental health. I mean, really, I would get, you know, sad easier or frustrated faster where I kind of started contemplating big questions and started feeling a little bit, you know, like I don't know where I'm going and questioning myself. And and all of this has been piling up this year. It's I think it's a combination of a lot of things. It's just been kind of things that have been adding on, adding on, adding, adding on. 
And the big realization I had a year ago when I started getting really sick, was, which was after these two incredibly intense years of working harder than I've ever worked in my life, of having more programs and retreats and teacher trainings than I've ever had in my life, of expanding our business faster in crazier ways than we ever had in our, have in our lives, taking a lot of risks. I mean, starting a lot of new projects, hiring new people. We had all these things kind of happen over the past two years that a year ago when I got sick, I decided, hey, I need to stop. That was my big, big, big epiphany, but it was a whole year ago. And I can look at that now of like, I was middle of this teacher training, super, super sick, so unwell, like crying myself to sleep every night because I was just feeling so, so shitty and somehow managed to wake up in the morning and like rock 14 hour days with my 52 yoga teacher training graduates. And it turned out great. You know, they turned out amazing. It was this beautiful month, but it was sort of at the cost of my well-being in, in some shape or form. And I chose that, right? All of this has been my own active decisions. Nowhere along the way that anybody, you know, forced me to, to, do, to book this schedule this intensely. No one is, you know, telling me what I have to do. I am my own boss. So the hard thing about having this kind of work or this kind of job the way I do or as a yoga teacher, as a studio owner, is that about a year, sometimes a year and a half in advance, we sell out the coming year. So 2019, I think the programs and the groups we've had at the studio 2019, we sold early 2018, maybe even end of 2017, like at least a year, if not more in advance. So of course I can't anticipate, you know, a year from now, you know, and I've never been sick before in my whole life. I've never had any struggles with my health like this. So, you know, it, it, it was just this thing that I, I couldn't get out of and I didn't want to get out of it either. You know, it's my, it's my passion. It's what I love to do. I just wanted to feel good and not feel like crap all the time, but I couldn't, but then also not having the option to cancel, right? It's not an option in my life to cancel these commitments. It's just never going to happen. No way. We have 52 people, you know, who, who've bought plane tickets and paid to be there and changed our whole lives to come and, you know, for this amazing, amazing experience. So over the last year, I've kind of pushed myself through these big commitments that I've had. And it's all been really good. There hasn't been a single group where I have looked back and, and went, oh man, like I really messed that up or hey, like that didn't turn out well. There's been these beautiful moments of just divinity and grace where everything came together and I had friends and other teachers step in and help me co-teach and I've had an amazing team and Dennis has been so helpful and, you know, everything has been okay. There's been no disaster at all. But looking back at the past year, I can see how I have been really, really climbing uphill to make all of this happen. It hasn't been this effortless thing that happened with ease. It's been really fucking hard. Oh, even just saying that right now, it's like, yeah, it's been really hard. And all of that kind of came to this, I don't know, this, this culmination a couple of months ago or a month ago where we added to, I mean, not added to the schedule where I was already feeling really overwhelmed, already feeling sick of being sick, already not a hundred percent. And then came this release of my book, which is something that I've worked on for five years, you know, and I knew before booking the book tour, I knew already, okay, I am really spread thin. I'm really tired. I'm really sick. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of commitments. I really, really, really need a break and I really need to slow down. And I knew that, right? And of course I had, you know, 
publishing a book comes with certain amount of commitments, but I also have some control, right? I can decide how many stops to do on the tour and what do I want to do? What do I not want to do? But nowhere in that whole process of booking this tour did I go, hey, maybe maybe I should slow down a little bit. Maybe we shouldn't do all the things. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't go you know, to, to 15 different places. Maybe we shouldn't like travel back and forth, you know, for these three legs of a tour. Maybe we should schedule this a little smarter. Like not at, at a single point that I go, hey, everyone, because of course there's a lot of people involved when it comes to booking something like this. There's a publisher and then my editor and then my agency. And we have this tour promoter we work with for these big classes and these venues. And of course my own team and all that. So all these wheels in motion, but not at no, at no point in time that I go, Hey guys, let's, let's, let's slow down or Hey, let's scale back. Let's take it easy. No, I went full force. Like, Hey, of course, because I wanted to celebrate this book. I mean, this book, it's, it's the most important thing I've ever done. That's what it feels like, you know, work-wise, career-wise, when it comes to my creativity, what I put out into the world, this book is the most important thing I've ever done. So yeah, I want to get out there, shout it from the rooftops, you know, have these events, like promote the book, do it all in all the way. And I'm not used to having to scale back or slow down. I'm used to being able to go 180 miles per hour without really, you know, without really needing to think about anything else. So I can see now how like, hmm, that probably wasn't a really smart idea, right? Probably wasn't a genius thing to do. But here I am and I am who I am. So we moved forward. And then the weeks leading up to the book launch was, you know, they were very emotional for me, very oh, stressful, but not in a way of, you know, having all these commitments and things I have to do, but almost emotionally stressful. It was such an emotional relief to write this book and then putting it out into the world. It was, I, I have a really hard time explaining. I was trying to explain to Dennis the other day too, the almost the emotional pressure I felt around the fact that it's like, I don't know if it's in, in a way unearthing all this loss that I've had and all this pain that I've felt and then getting out there to talk about it and getting out there to, to read what, and hear what other people thought of the book. And it's this full circle in a way. So in a way, it's like I'm opening up old chapters, but I'm closing this big chapter at the same time. So it's just been this very emotional process for me. And because we've been so busy, I haven't really had a good outlet. I haven't been talking to anyone. I haven't had any time spent with my friends because I've just been super busy. So I think I've been feeling a lot and then not had a lot, whole lot of ways to share, I guess, or maybe process what I've been feeling. And then the book came out and then we went on tour. <laughs> and for the past, the book came out in mid-September. So it's been about, it's been out exactly, ooh, it's been exactly one month. Okay. Exactly one month. And, you know, I had to leave the baby at home and then went out on this crazy tour where we are just jetting back and forth, you know, waking up at 3am to be at the airport at five and then huge events in the evening and going to bed at 12 at night, you know, we're not really eating well, drinking a lot of wine, like as a way to wind down because it was really high intense, high intensity like moments, these, these, these events. And then, you know, going on stage in front of 500 people or getting, you know, in line with hundreds of people who are just waiting, you know, to excitedly give me a hug, right? To excitedly tell me how much they love the book, to just support me, 
right? So it's been this very, very, very hard thing for me to balance because everything around the events and the gathering of this tour has been so hard. All the flights, the hotels, being away from the baby, not having routine, not eating well, late nights, not sleeping, you know, going back from place to place, all this stuff. That's been so, 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 so hard. And then I get to the event and I get to connect with the people who came there and it's, and everything feels worth it, right? Everything is so beautiful. I'm crying tears of gratitude. Like every time we got in a cab or in a car to leave an event, I'm just in awe of the power of this community. I'm just so fucking grateful. So I don't want to complain, right? Because it's just, I feel so grateful, so grateful, so grateful. Who am I to complain that I only got four hours of sleep when there is 500 people here to hug me to tell me how much they love this thing that I wrote? Like, who gets to experience that? No one. This is a once in a lifetime thing. And, and I've had this little voice in the back of my head going like, don't complain. Don't complain. Don't complain. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Be grateful. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And that's kind of the attitude that I've kept over this past month. Like, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. But at the same time, deep inside of me, I have reached a level of exhaustion <laughs> that I barely know how to address. You are listening to the Yoga Girl podcast, conversations from the heart. I am on the last leg of my book tour. With all of this traveling comes the need to be really comfortable. And at the top of my list for comfort is the need for a really great bra. But not just any bra will do. My favorite comes from Third Love. Third Love bras are hands down the most comfortable bras you will ever, ever wear. They have straps that won't slip, tagless labels to stop itching. Third Love bras are great for all occasions. And they're great for all body sizes as well. Third Love offers more than 80 sizes with their signature half cup size and bands ranging from 30 to 48 inches and cups from AA to I, one of the largest ranges in all of history. They don't just create these new sizes by scaling their existing measurements up or down. They actually use data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and a great feel. Comfort and support at its max. You can easily find the perfect bra for you by taking Third Love's Fit Finder quiz, and you'll be among 14 million women who have found their perfect size to date. Their team of expert fit stylists are also dedicated to helping you find the right bra for you, and they're available every single day via text, chat, or phone. In 60 seconds, your order can be placed and on its way to your house. Third Love knows there is a perfect bra out there for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com heart right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off of your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com heart for 15% off today. The world is changing now more than ever. We all need more than one source of income, but not everyone wants to quit their jobs and become a startup founder. That's what Side Hustle School is all about. It's a short daily podcast, seven days a week, that tells stories of ordinary people making extra money without quitting their jobs. The host, Chris Gillabo, also has an intriguing new book out there this month called The Money Tree. It's an engaging story of how you have the power to create your own financial destiny, something that's especially important in this time of uncertainty. Get your copy of The Money Tree today from any bookstore or online retailer. Learn more at moneytreebook.com and listen to Side Hustle School wherever you get your podcasts. I, I think about it now. I don't know how to explain how I feel. I I don't know how to I don't know how to talk about it. <laughs> and I got to this place where 
going from these high intensity, high stress moments that I couldn't wind back down. I could, I couldn't wind back down. And I've never had this problem in my whole life. I've always been a good sleeper. You know, I have a lot of tools <laughs> and yeah, like usually wine isn't my first go-to, you know, I have a lot of other ways to ground myself in these, you know, high energy places, but I just kind of lost the ability to do that. So we would go to these big events and of course, you know, spending four hours hugging 500 people. <laughs> I don't know if you can imagine the energy that you're left with at, with at the end of something like that. And I really like to be super present with each person. I want each person to really, really, really to feel like I saw them. I want to see each person. I want to meet each person. I want to know how they're doing. I want to hug them for real, not like a pat on the back and then, you know, fake smile for a photo and move on. Like, no, I want to, I want to connect with them. I really, really, really do. So, and I think my energetic output at each of these events has just been beyond really, really, really intense. And I haven't had a way to balance that with any kind of calm and grounded input throughout this past month. I haven't. I've gone from thing to thing, haven't been able to wind down. So somewhere, I don't know, two weeks ago, somewhere middle of this tour, I stopped sleeping. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I can understand why <laughs> that I'm telling the story. I just, and that, and it was a shock all of a sudden, you know, and I'm exhausted, so tired, even at home, because we had a week when we got to be home in the middle of this whole tour or five days home, even at home, I just couldn't wind down. I would go to bed, Dennis is asleep right away. And I'm just lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, feeling the insides of my body buzzing with so much energy. I don't know what to do. It's like my, my feet and my hands are just tingling. And I, you know, I would, I would take a bath. I would, you know, do all the things, you know, diffuse lavender oil, drink chamomile tea, like do some yoga. I started turning off my phone really early. So I have no screen time at the end of the day. I did all those things and nothing worked still at the middle of the night. I'm just lying there awake. And I don't know how long that went on. I don't know. And I was kind of saying like, eh, it's, it's just a little phase, right? It's just like, I'm not sleeping well right now. It's going to pass. But the thing is it didn't pass. So I had a, I don't know, too many days in a row where I kind of fell asleep at 3 a.m., you know, and then it, I would get up at 6.30 or, or 7 and I would be fine, I thought, and I would kind of soldier through my day and then I'd do that again and then I'd do that again and eventually I got to a place where I wasn't fine. <laughs> I wasn't fine anymore. And I had in the middle of the night without being able to relate it to anything and this for me was the scariest part because I've, I've had anxiety before. I felt anxiety at many moments in my life. I've had a panic attack before. I wrote about it in the book, but I've always been able to, whenever I find myself in really intense moments of anxiety, to relate it to something, right? So yeah, you know, my best friend died. <laughs> like that's been a big one. So now I feel anxious and sad. So I've been able to justify somehow in my mind, like, yeah, it's okay that I'm feeling that way because I can point it to something else. Or yeah, my dog died. I felt a lot of guilt around that. I wrote about that in the book as well. And then I would, you know, I had a panic attack and, and I could point it to all these hard and terrible things happening in my life. And now, you know, I'm living this amazingly blessed life. So fucking blessed. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to even, 
to put into words how beautiful everything is. And I'm at this really amazing place in my career. I have so much support from my family. We have a beautiful home, business is going well, all these things. And in the middle of the night, Dennis was away. He was doing Ironman. In the middle of the night, I had a panic attack and it took me a long time. It took me a while to figure out what I, what was happening you know, because I had another one of those nights of insomnia, couldn't sleep, and then started feeling this pressure on top of my chest, just like this weight was sitting there. Um, had a hard time breathing, and then yeah, like I like I could just sense this impending doom. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it as this doom, this this dark, heavy, horrible, anxious. Oh, this, this, like I couldn't escape this feeling and it was coming from inside of me and I had nothing to relate it to. I couldn't go, oh, I was thinking about that terrible thing that happened and now I'm feeling anxious. It just came. So it felt like the feeling that was really scary for me was it felt totally out of my control <laughs> because whenever I felt that way before and I could relate it to, oh, I was thinking about this sad thing that happened. Well, just stop thinking about that thing. <laughs> right? Or I would distract myself or do something else or even like put on a movie or, you know, talk to someone, change, change, you know, kind of how I do it with the baby when she's having a, an emotional meltdown of any kind. I just change the environment and everything's okay. Well, now I couldn't do that. It was coming from inside of me, not from the outside, not from something I was thinking about. I couldn't relate it to anything. It was like this panic was sitting inside of my body. And I don't know how many hours I spent in total, yeah, panic, agony, all alone, you know, and it was, Dennis was about to do this Ironman. I didn't want to disturb him. I didn't want to call him in the middle of the night right before he does a crazy race, you know, and go like, hey, I feel like I'm going to die. I feel total panic. I didn't want, you know, and afterwards he was like, of course you could have called. Like, are you kidding? Like, why didn't you call? Like, nothing is more important than this. Like, what? So of course I could have called him, but I just, I, I don't know. I felt like maybe I was, yeah, like, like I, I didn't want to make it a big thing. Almost like if I would ask for help, it would be acknowledging that, hey, this terrible thing is happening. So I didn't. And then, you know, it passed. But what happened after that was that every time I went to bed in the back of my head, I went, hmm, I wonder if that's going to happen again, <laughs> which, you know, isn't necessarily a super fun way <laughs> to spend your life. I can laugh at this now. I thought I was going to record this podcast and cry because it's been really hard. It's been so hard. And I I think now I feel a little bit of distance between it so I can I can actually share this story. I don't mean to minimize it. This is a really it's this right now I'm going through one of the harder times in my life, which feels like I'm super sad that, that that's what it is. And it feels a, like a true bummer to have to say that because it's also this beautiful time in my life, but that's just the truth. So all of this was happening. And then before the last week's podcast, you know, which was this big event, I had an anxiety attack the night before that event. And knowing that I had over 500 people waiting for me at this sold out theater where, you know, we have this huge team of of assistance and people helping through the night. And, and also it was this kind of event that I've never done before. So that was also giving me some anxiety because I felt like I had to do something new. And I, and I had this thought, like, what if I fuck it up? What if, what if I can't do it? I don't know what to say. What if I sit on stage and it's just silent and I just sit there for an hour not talking? I don't know. I had this, I don't know, because of this anxiety, I was thinking about all the ways it might go to shit, right? 
So I felt this, even though it was this beautiful evening before we got there, I was just, oh, it was horrible, horrible. And I've never felt that way before any kind of event ever. And I just did. And I took a deep breath and I w- walked out on stage and it was great. <laughs> it was great. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was real. If you listen to that episode, I, t- I spoke about my anxiety. I spoke about how I was feeling. I was able to open up to that place of truth and not have to fake it, right? Because if it's something I really don't want to do is do these kinds of things and not be real and feel like I have to put on a show or, or like I have to be perfect or smiling or, you know, even I'm not feeling that way. I want to be, I want to be real all the time. It's really exhausting to play a role of some sort, but it's also really hard to share this when I have people, you know, waiting to come see me. I don't want anyone to feel like, they are contributing to my stress in any way or, you know, to be worried about whether or not I can kind of fulfill that event or, you know, I didn't want to have this conversation be around that. But then I got to this place of, it was World Mental Health Day and I was just sitting there feeling like total shit. (laughs) After that, you know, because I left the New York event feeling really good, feeling like, man, I don't know why I was so worried. And, but also having this sense of, I can't, live like this. It's not, you know, I can't live like this. I can't, I need sleep, right? I need to sleep. I need to feel calm and grounded. And this kind of high intensity life that I've found myself in right now, I need to find a way to manage my mental health and feel good throughout all of this, right? Because this book, what it's all about is, is just that it's finding light at the end of something really dark using the tools that we have available to us to make our way through really shitty things. And then here I am in the middle of something else that's really shitty, but then not talking about it. Like, no, you know, so I asked around and I have a lot of resources. So I'm grateful for that. And then uh, made my way to a therapist, (laughs) found someone or got a really good recommendation. And on World Mental Health Day, I had my first session in therapy. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And I, I wrote that and I share that. And now that I'm saying it, I'm like, well, that's not even a big deal. Like, man, half the world is in therapy and the other half should be in therapy probably. But for me at the time, it felt, it felt like failing. It really, it felt somehow, it felt like failing. It felt like defeat almost. It felt like, you know, acknowledging to myself that, Hey, I need to talk to someone that, Hey, a lot of the work that I do is healing, right? Supporting other people through their journeys of healing, providing healing tools. You know, what we do in the yoga shala is a form of therapy, like for sure. So somehow I think I had this idea in my head, like I should feel great, right? Because I'm teaching this stuff all the time, right? I have all the resources, all the tools, all the ways, you know, but I don't, (laughs) I'm just a human being, right? Trying really hard every day, And somehow then, you know, admitting to the fact like, hey, I need to talk to someone. I need someone who knows more. I need someone to bounce this stuff off of someone who isn't my husband or my friends or, you know, who have these kind of preconceived ideas of of who I am. It needs to be someone totally neutral and went to that session and it was great. It was really hard. It was really hard and really great. And since then I'm doing one session a week. So I have one point of contact with my therapist a week. And it was kind of interesting that, that I had that first session on World Mental Health Day. So when I shared it, I, it was one of those, I don't know, a few moments in my life where I've had to take a breath and go, hey, do I want to share this? 
because I haven't made my way to, to the insight yet. And then I'm thinking, hey, well, where's the truth in that? Because I can share a lot of vulnerable stuff and hard things, but I like to share it with, with you know, on here is why that happened, right? Or here is how it made sense to me. Or here was this amazing lesson hiding underneath that. And sharing that with the whole world at that point was just super hard because I was in the middle of this really dark place. Still am, I guess. Obviously, you know, listening to this podcast right now, you can tell that in this exact moment, yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> you know, I'm not not feeling any panic or dread or anxiety right now. But then when I was sharing that, I really did. And I didn't know really what I was, what to expect from the world. You know, is it failing? You know, people are going to be disappointed. I don't know what I was thinking. And of course, on the other end of that was just support, just support of oh, man. You know, I even had some people and friends go like, hey, that took you a long time. Like, how come you don't have a therapist? Like, <laughs> that's a really sensible thing to do. You know, it's a really good <laughs> outlet to have, especially if you have this, you know, high kind of level of energy that you're absorbing all the time every day. And I am. So I think I've been, yeah, not super great with using that energy for something. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this kind of feeling, but I've had this feeling lately that, you know, and I've been hugging a lot of crying people, a lot, a lot of people who've been very emotional for beautiful reasons, who I love so much, my heart could just burst. And maybe they also went through loss or they went through something really heavy and challenging. And then they read the book and the book helped them, right? So then we meet and then they're crying and it's this beautiful moment. But I've had this feeling after those moments where I also feel heavy, right? I've just had a hard time ridding myself or kind of transmuting that energy into something light, which normally I'm really good at because I deal with people all day long. Like that's what I do. And I learned years ago how to manage that, that energy in a really good way. And then now it's like, I don't know, it's like all these things are happening at the same time and I'm having a hard time <laughs> figuring it out. <laughs> You are listening to The Yoga Girl Podcast, conversations from the heart. Okay, I admit it. I am fully obsessed with the Great British Bake Off. I'm sure a lot of you know already from my social media that that's my favorite show right now. Baking just really helps me manage my stress and it leaves me with delicious things to eat. How could I not love it? Because of the Great British Bake Off, I've been really inspired to try more cake recipes lately. I found a really nice recipe online for a one bowl vegan vanilla cake, which means there's less of a mess and maximum delicious cake. It needs dairy-free milk, apple cider vinegar, unsweetened applesauce, vanilla extract, some sugar, baking soda, baking powder, and my favorite Bob's Red Mill all-purpose gluten-free flour. I'll be trying this recipe and seeing if it can stand a chance on the bake-off. The pictures look beautiful and my cake skills are getting better, so I feel pretty confident. If you're getting into baking and high-quality, minimally processed organic products, get your hands on Bob's Red Mill products right now. Head over to bobsredmill.com slash yoga girl and check out some of their awesome products and enter for a chance to win some fun Bob's Red Mill goodies. One winner will be selected by random selection each month. So, so here I am right now admitting to the fact that I'm not feeling great, you know, and it's more than physical. And I can sense how, of course, my body has been this amazing vessel trying to speak to me for a long time um, to change my life. And this is the thing too. This was a year ago that I had this first thing start. And now it's a year later and my life is more intense than it was last year. 
<laughs> and I remember sitting down, you know, with my team and with Dennis going, hey, 2019, however we can scale back and slow down, we got to do it because I have to focus on my health. It's been too much. And then somehow a year later, here I am, and it's more intense than it was last year. And I'm just dumbfounded. Like, how, how did I get here? <laughs> How is it that my life is this intense? Why do I put all of these commitments on myself? Why do I keep myself this busy? You know, because I am the one doing it. I really am. It's, there's, it's no one else's fault but my own. So something that, that I'm really being, something that I've really been able to take away from my sessions in therapy so far has been this, this you know, and it's something that I've shared in a couple of podcast episodes lately. So I love how this all relates, but that, what matters is not what I do, but who I am. I shared that a, f- a few podcast episodes ago because it was, it's been this realization that I, that rings so true for me in the sense that I can see how I've spent almost my whole life with this idea that, that to be worthy, to be lovable, to be worthy of being seen, of being loved, of being held, I have to perform. I have to perform somehow. I have to, I have to create something all the time. I have to get all A's and everything I do. I have to succeed and I have to work. I have to do things. And this idea of being totally worthy and lovable the way I am without having to do anything, right? Without having to do anything. Also when I'm sick, when I'm tired, when I'm lazy, when I'm just here the way I am. It's, it's a radical idea. <laughs> it is a really radical idea because I've, I've spent my whole life doing. That's just what it is. My whole life has been immersed in some sort of creating of some sort, right? My whole, 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 whole life. And I'm starting to learn that there is this other way of existing too. And I never really saw anything wrong with that. Like, yeah, I like to work. <laughs> like, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I like to work. I am a high performing person. I'm really good at what I do. I'm one of those people I can kind of head out to do anything and I can kind of pull it off, you know, by sheer will or force or like I'm I'm good at a lot of things and I've I've lived my life that way and I like to work. Like, you know, kill me. Like why? Why why is that a bad thing? And then sitting here now like in what I think maybe is a bit of a burnout that probably started last year and is continuing into now. <laughs> with all of these realizations of things that I, that I probably should be changing in my life. And I'm realizing now that it's not just, you know, stopping the intensity of my work, which of course it's a part of that. And I've said now for a whole year, 2020, that's my year off. (laughs) 2020, I'm quote unquote retiring, whatever that means. We have one retreat in 2020 and vision in Costa Rica, which I'm really excited about because it's my favorite place in the world. Yeah, in February, that's it. That's it. I have no other commitments next year and I'm really keeping it that way. But then something that I've been really sitting with now is like, hey, it's October. There's a couple of months left of this year. I got to feel good this year, right? So what is my way of getting there? And just stopping work, right? Just slowing down. That's just fixing the symptom of the problem that's much, much, much deeper that, that sits in this deep rooted idea that I have that I am worthy if I do right? And just as I am, I'm not. (sighs) Saying it now, you know, in this kind of calm place that I'm in now, you know, my mind goes, well, that's ridiculous. Like, of course, you know, you're so lovable and so worthy and you have so many people that love you and appreciate you. Yeah. It's not about that. 
It's about, you know, who I believe that I am. And of course, it comes from my childhood and it comes from having a childhood that was really centered around the fact that I that I had to do a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have when I was really young, right? That I had to take on the role as a fixer and the doer and the savior and the caregiver and and all of these things. And that probably at many points in my life when I was really, really, really young, there was no one there for me, right? So I had to do things on my own. And then I've equated that with, yeah, if I do things, then, then, you know, then maybe they'll love me. If I do this, then maybe I'll be, I'll be worthwhile. I'll be accepted. I'll be held because I was missing that at a really young age. And something that's been really cool. This has been my, my coolest takeaway from therapy so far. I don't want to say like, Hey, I'm a therapy pro. I've had like a couple of sessions only, but immediately one of the things that she asked was, Oh, so how old were you when your parents separated? And I went like, Oh, but that's not even a trauma for me. Like that's like, I have a lot of traumas in my life. I have a lot of big wounds and things to work on. That's not really one of them. And she said, oh, how come? And I went, well, it wasn't really a big deal. Like they separated. I was two and a half. They separated. And, you know, I've had like big traumas after that with my mother's suicide attempts and death and all these things. And she said, well, it's not so much about the intensity of the trauma that came later, but you want to make your way to the first one, right? The first one, the first moment of separation, the first moment of loss, the first moment of, of feeling unworthy. She's like, oh, so you were two and a half. I said, yeah. And she said, how old is your daughter? And I go, she's two and a half. <laughs> and she said, oh, okay, interesting. And what about your mom? Were her parents divorced or were they, are they, were they still together for a long time? I said, no, they, they divorced when she was young. And she said, how old? two and a half. (laughs) So what she was saying was that when it comes to generational trauma, if we have lived through a trauma in our early years of childhood, and then we grow up and we become parents, and when the moment we get to witness our child at the age that we were when we experienced that trauma or loss or separation, it triggers something really, really big inside of us. Both in a sense that you know, we get to see our child, like I get to see my daughter now safe and held and so loved with both parents and a family constellation that totally works where nothing is, you know, lacking or missing in her life. And I get to, you know, there's that little two and a half year old girl inside of me going, well, what about me? At the moment we realize that actually it's possible to receive that love at that age And then we missed it, right? There's a big wound there. And she says that when our children get to those ages that we were, when really hard things happen in our life, that it's really common to have something stir and shake deep inside of our souls that can lead to a lot of things, right? Midlife crisis, depression, anxiety, number of things. And it's, she said, it can be this really hard time in life. It can also be this doorway into healing something now that will also heal what was then. And I love the thought of this, just the thought of this for me rings really, really, really true. I don't know. I think it's, it's not a, you know, there's something synchronistic about this age, like two and a half. And of course, you know, also triggering this fear inside of me of not giving my daughter enough, you know, terrified to make the same mistakes my parents made or, you know, what if I'm not present enough or what if I'm not seeing her enough and I'm working so hard or what if I'm unwell? 
right? What if I get to a place where I am sad? <sighs> Saying this now, I'm just realizing this now, you know, walk, watching my mom when I was really little be depressed and sad and suicidal. There's probably this big fear inside of me too. Now that I feel like my mental health is a little shaky, you know, the biggest fear of, of all time for me would be what if my daughter had to live through what I lived through, which, you know, isn't going to happen. And it's a very different situation where I am at now. And, you know, I feel like at least speaking this, these words right now, I can kind of, I can sense that I'm on the path toward the blessing. You know what I mean? I think everything feels very synchronistic, feels very purposeful, even in the moments of that have been really hard, even in the moments that have been really painful, um, that it's taking me somewhere and I'm unearthing something really big in this. And it had to happen at this time in this way, like that I really trust. But I'm sharing this now. I don't want to fake it. Never, ever, ever want to fake it. I don't want to pretend. I want to be truthful and also... I just want to let myself be the way I am, right? Not have this expectation that I should be something or other, that I should be grounded all the time or zen and peaceful all the time or happy all the time, but also be, hey, I feel like shit right now. <laughs> okay. And it doesn't have to be the end of the world, right? Knowing that I, I have this amazing ability to, to still enjoy the moments that are important, right? On this tour, like I look back at every single event, it's been fucking amazing. <laughs> it's been like, I was watching a YouTube video Dennis made about the first leg of the tour, crying, like, man, it's so beautiful. So it's not like, you know, that the fear of, of, of me diminishing these, these events or these beautiful moments. No, maybe I'm just feeling them more. But I know that the moments around it, right? The traveling, the stress, the getting to the places, the in-between, like that's really hard. And I'm working really hard right now to keep it as calm as possible, to really not stress in the in-between, to have my travels calm and steady, to be supported, to ask for help, to do the yoga, <laughs> to, to meditate, to breathe, to drink a lot of water, all the basic things that I need every single day. And um, yeah, I haven't had a, one of those moments of anxiety since then, that moment that I shared, which was a few weeks ago now. So I think I'm moving in the right direction. I'm also trying not to rationalize too much for all of this to make sense in my head where I think I'm at a place right now where everything doesn't make sense. And I'm blessed and grateful and having a hard time at the same time. And I think that's okay. So I want to thank you. I want to thank each of you who have come and seen me throughout this tour. If you've taken a class with me or come to a book event or the live podcast, you are literally the glimmer of light for me in a, in a hard time in my life. And I'm so grateful that you're there. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that I have someone to share this with in this way. Grateful for this podcast, for this life. I uh, can hear my daughter in the kitchen right now. We're going to eat some Indian food. I'm happy that you're here and that you're listening. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you again next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Yoga Girl Conversations from the Heart. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, TransferWise, Third Love, and Bob's Red Mill. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.